podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya. Yeah. Quédense tranquilas, aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Well, praise be to your preferred deity. The seemingly interminable wait is over and we're about to kick off another eight months of fun, despair, elation, deflation, slips, trips, bitching, falling and everything else that goes hand in hand with the Liverpool campaign. Tonight we look at the final pre-season game, which for many of Liverpool's more hipster fans was the final pre-kick-off massage and it definitely had a happy finish. Joining me in the bunker tonight we have a man of a thousand voices, Steve-O Titaleo Daly, the Norman Price of podcastry, Dave Thomas, Coppo's new rib-eating companion, Paul Brennan, and the self-appointed dark lord of the tripper bunker, Phil Winton Casey. Right then, first up, let's try and talk as effusively as possible uh, about a wonderful performance yesterday. Um, so joining us to dissect this festive football occasion is Neil Poole, who's the editor, producer and the main man behind the wonderful We Are Liverpool fanzine, issue two of which was on sale at the ground yesterday. And Neil, we want to start by looking at some of the debutants, Dejan Lovren and Javier Manquillo. Uh, they were pretty impressive, I think you'll agree. Is this the type of signing, do you think, that despite the moaning of some people, really makes us feel as though the squad is being galvanised? Um, was that your take on the two new lads seeing them live? Yeah, I think, I mean, at this stage in, in a game like yesterday's game, uh, really all you're looking for is do these two lads bring anything sort of new to the table? Do they add something different to the team that like we haven't got before? Um, I mean, taking into account that Dortmund... There's very little threat there, and obviously they're both defenders. There's only so much you can read into it. But I think there's certainly enough there to think they are good signings, certainly based on one on that one game, and they could make the difference. I mean, in terms of Lovren, he was obviously brought in with the idea that he was going to you know, bring a little bit of leadership and a little bit of organisation um, onto the pitch. And... That was something when I was like watching yesterday, certainly the first half when they were there at my end, is you were really like looking out to sort of see, you know, is this sort of leadership that we've been told about? Is it all true? And like, you know, you could see him talking a lot more, which isn't too difficult because we've got a very sort of silent back four as such. I think I got a little bit too carried away because I was actually sort of watching it and you, I could hear, uh, it was quite quiet in the cop yesterday and I could hear, you could hear someone on the pitch sort of shouting, and I'm thinking, oh, get in there, Lovren, doing all the shouting, doing all the um, <laughs> Carragher stuff and everything. Yeah. But then he turned around and I could see it wasn't him. And then I was like, oh, no, shit, that's in German. That's what the Dortmund plays. <laughs> so, like, so unfortunately, he wasn't sort of maybe sort of talking as quite as much as a force he was. But he was still 
know, it was still sort of, he was pointing a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's always um, a good sign, yeah. Yeah, that's always a good sign. He, he's obviously brought into this, the team ethic and everything. I mean, one thing I did notice is that with each of our four goals, he was very much sort of, you know, he'd be sort of running off, but he was, it was, it was weird because he wasn't just sort of congratulating the person who scored. I saw him like formally going round, sort of shaking everyone's hand. And it's almost like, you know, he's not entirely sure he was involved in the goal. So he's just sort of covering his faces. <laughs> and he's like, you know, trying to ingratiate himself with the popular lads at school. So I'll just, just tell everyone the fucking brilliant score. So, so that was good. I'm glad to see that he cares, you know, like to sort of do that. I felt sorry for him, to be honest, because I think people are waiting for him to be shit. And yeah. So it was great to see him get his goal. Um, in terms of what else he bought, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not particularly tactically astute to tell if someone's reading the game is uh, sort of any better. You know than it has been previously, but I did. So you didn't see him get caught out at all. Again, there wasn't much threat, but you know you didn't see him having to use his pace to sort of recover everything. So that would hint at the fact that possibly you know his anticipation is a bit better than sort of maybe some of the other players we've got like Skell. Um, so yeah, he did well. Um, in terms of is it Manquillo or Manquillo? I'm not too sure Whatever you're having yourself, yeah. Yeah, man, well um, he, you know, he looked great as well. I mean, he, he to me on a two-year loan, some young lad from Spain is just is just ready for issuing from the crowd if he has sort of one bad game. So I was really happy for him to sort of see him sort of do well yesterday. You know, in terms of adding something new, then there probably wasn't so much new there because. You know, he had the energy getting up and down, which I think Flanagan's got. You know, he was good getting into the tackle, which I think Flanagan's got. He looked arsed, which Johnson doesn't. Well, I know we're not allowed to sort of say anything bad about him, but anyway. Um, <laughs> oh no, you're free. You're free to say whatever you want, Neil. I'll be back in your ball the way once it's not good. Uh, I've, I've been waiting for three months for this. Um, so I'll, get that. I'll get to that later. But one thing I did notice, though, is that. Both Johnson and Flanagan, you know when they, they put the crosses in, they, they have the tendency to sort of fizz those balls in like 100 miles an hour mm. on the edge of the 18 yeah, box that just sort of go like between like, you know, waist and sort of chest height. And all that ever happens is that we lose possession and it's just into a sort of, you know, a, a crowd of bodies. What was good yesterday is that as he was getting, Manquillo, especially in the first half, was sort of getting... Deeper into their half before he was putting the cross in. Yeah, he was hanging them up nicely, wasn't he? Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he was hanging them up at the back post. Yeah, and it's only when you haven't seen anyone do that for a few years you go, "Oh shit, they're so hanging up at the back post." Actually, just like quite striking, and at least doing that keeps the ball sort of in play. It, at least there's a contest for that ball, and that might break for you. And that is something that we sorely missed. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Three or four games in, if he's still doing that, it's not coming off. I'm going to be thinking, I mean, like shouting at him, going, stop putting no shit balls in. But at this moment in time, <laughs> you look good because the difference. And yeah. I suppose that's all you can really ask for. So, yeah. yeah, it was good. I was happy with both of them. And um, yeah, big thumbs up from me. Good lad, good lad. Paul Brown, um, following on from, from what Neil's been saying there. 
it was really noticeable, wasn't it, that um, most people were hanging on to see would Lovren be this shouty leader type. And I don't know whether you saw the game on, on, on BT where I did, but it basically they must have had a mic up his hole because basically all you could hear was him <laughs> shouting and shouting and shouting. And it was actually him, uh, not the German lad that Neil Dunn was. <laughs> what did you make Maybe of him? Maybe it was Minula. <laughs> could have been Minula. Hmm. But I don't think so, because his mouth wasn't moving at the time. Maybe he's a ventriloquist. Okay, let's work with that. Fucking <laughs> 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 okay, uh, hell. That would be impressive, wouldn't it? It would be impressive, yeah. Get over there, over there, run out of the land. This doesn't work. Just park that for you. It doesn't really work on a podcast, but Phil's just done the most incredibly shit ventriloquist out there. Anyway, Paul. What do you mean? Paul, your idea about Lovren, what do you make him? Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Um... I thought his front foot defending was brilliant. He was aggressive in everything he did when he was contesting for the ball. Mm. Sort of like Skirtle does, only doing it properly, like instead of just fouling everything that moves. Uh, I thought he won everything that came near him in the air. A, a few nice interceptions and kind of attack, tackling the front man as it came into him. Mm. And uh, I, I thought his distribution, obviously, was brilliant. He was involved in the first goal and he scored the second goal. So, uh, yeah, I thought he was really good. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. I uh, watch There was a, maybe maybe a couple of times I thought there was a bit of a gap between him and Johnson, but other, other than that, I thought all around it, I thought he was brilliant. And I, I was one of the people, you know, whinging about how much we spent on him because I, st- I still think twenty million was a bit mad. But like, if he if he continues like that, then I look at yeah, you know, I won't be whinging much more. Like basically, and it, for for you, based on that and based on what you saw, he's looking like he's cemented in there. Is his skirt going to be alongside him? Looks. Um, what's going to yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I'd hope that Sacco would get a while a, a game in yeah, alongside him. I know there's the big left centre-back, right centre-back mm-hmm. argument and all, but I'd have liked to have seen Sacco get maybe 20 minutes at the end Yeah, with, with uh, Lovren. Yeah, sorry about the um, sort of awkwardness here. It's just <laughs> Steve Daly is making his fucking entrance as usual. <laughs> Oh, you snuck in there, didn't you? (laughs) Hey, Steve. Well, Paul looked terribly worried. (laughs) (laughs) Looked like a stroke in the back of his head. Ship and Triloquist act. And your man's got the shelf right behind you as well. Uh, expertly done, Paul. Expertly done. You managed to keep your train at home. Dude, that was professional. Pack a bastard. <laughs> uh, Dave Thomas, have your man Keo. What was your take on him? He wasn't Glenn Johnson. So Excellent. I think that, you know, Good spot. Good spot. straight away. He was he was our best right back uh, at the club. No, you know, <laughs> in all uh, in all seriousness, I thought. Look, with all the usual caveats that it's pre-season, it's a friendly, it's a Dortmund team that were at Oktoberfest the day before, but the Oxford just got off the plane. Mm. I thought he did. I thought he did loads of things great. I, I mean, I agree with most of what Neil said. The other thing I'd add is he won a lot of headers. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was pretty noticeable. I mean, maybe. Uh, Maybe Johnson wins loads of headers and I don't notice it, or Flanagan wins loads of headers and I don't notice it. But he he won a lot of defensive headers. He's actually bigger than I thought. You know, he isn't he isn't broad in terms of his physique, but he's tall. Um, I think he can. He needs to work a little bit on his final third. I mean, as Neil was saying, I think his crossing it was novel, mm. but how effective it was. I think you know he's going to have to get a little bit better than that, particularly if you're putting a ball up at the back post for Raheem Sterling. To, to win, I don't think he's going to win many back post headers. Hmm. But look, he did he did well. You know, his first game after one training session. You know, you, you can't really complain about what he did. Um, and on, on Lovren, I thought that uh, 
I mean, I thought Lovren was excellent. Mm. Again, you know, all the usual caveats and all that. But and and, and I agree, you know, with, with Paul. I've seen a couple of things on, you know, from bit of analysis showing gaps and positional play, and I kind of think it's you know it's kind of easy sometimes to freeze frame in the middle of a match and say, oh look, this player should be here or this player should be there. But you know the the headlines are you know one key pass, you know one goal and a clean sheet. Mm. I'm not sure what else you can ask for really of a centre back. Mm. You know he did great. Yeah, well that's I think that's about fair in fairness. Um, Steve, uh, what do you think uh, of our the more upbeat side of things, Mister Coutinho, Mister Sterling, Mister Sturridge, Mister Henderson, that whole front. Quartet of joy. Yes, the quartet of joy. Um, how much joy did they give you? And like, do you think there's is? Can we interpret a lot from yesterday and from the general nice interplay that we've seen preseason that we're going to continue in the same vein? Um, yeah. Well, I, I hope so. Um, I think one of the big things is the role that Coutinho can maybe play um, with Suarez gone from the side. And in no way do I want to say that it's a good thing that Suarez is gone. Mm. But I think. As we've all predicted, and I think we've we've said it. It's been said here when I haven't been on. We've said it when I have. The way we play next season will not be the same, or I don't think it will be the same yeah. as as how we played last season. That's and that's the sensible option. Don't try and fit a square peg into a round hole. Mm. You had one of the best players in the world who was unpredictable and you know was just a magician on the ball. If you no longer have that, then you play to your strengths. And Daniel Sturridge is now our strength. Mm. You know, and I think it will. I think Phil said it about it being kind of like the Gerard Torres partnership I, I can Coutinho and, and Sturge just seem to know where each other are they mm. seem to know what they're going to do they're on the same wavelength and when you've got two players we've seen it over 20 years of watching football whatever it might be you know 30 years of watching football in your case since 1832 <laughs> um, you know, so, so um, you know, you know with, with that in mind you know it is one of those things whereby players just strike up partnerships and rapports and it's excellent when they do and I think they have that there great to see Hendo um, I think Chan is, is going to be an excellent addition and they're really looking forward to seeing you know Chan, Hendo and, and uh, Stevie Gerrard or, or uh, you know if if, if um, Markovic comes back we might see Gerrard rested for some games whereby I would really like to see Chan um, Hendo and, and Coutinho there mm. with, with Sterling and Markovic or Lalana out on the on the two wide position not, uh-huh. not so much a lot Anna, if I'm honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll come back to that we'll come back to that holy jeez uh, Neil uh, li- live watching um, Phil Coutinho must have been a joy yesterday was it to see him exploiting the space that seemed to be there yeah it was great he was, he was clearly just you know the standout player and he's he is like the sort of he's sort of almost taken over the Suarez mantle now he's the new person that when he gets the ball, everyone sort of takes up, uh, you know, takes um, notice. With Coutinho and Sterling, study Jan Henderson, I think all of them, particularly um, Coutinho and Sterling, it's difficult to know how their careers would have gone and will go if Suarez wasn't involved. But you get the feeling that part of the value that Suarez will have bought, other than the sort of two and a half years he was there, and the 75 million. Is is like the legacy will be like maybe the impact these had on two sort of young players like Coutinho and Sterling, where they really sort of seem to be sort of inspired by Suarez in in terms of the 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 trying to play and trying to do the things that he did. There's that sort of freedom sort of to the game. Now, obviously, they're really good players anyway. Brendan Rodgers has got part of it, but just for that little sort of 
you know, that little extra sparkle, you've got to sort of wonder sort of how much an impact Suarez has had. And that was certainly the case with Coutinho yesterday. I mean, you know, the um, the, the ball that, you know, he put in for the for the, uh, the, goal, the first goal. Um, and just generally, just like a little, little bag of tricks. I thought he was absolutely excellent. I mean, even with storage, I haven't seen the game back since. So to be honest, he might just be like he turned left and it didn't look as impressive as it sort of did in the stands. But the one leading to Henderson's goal, I think the ball went out. But even the way that ball right at the byline, the way he sort of, you know, he turned in on it and sort of passed it back to Henderson, hmm. that was very Suarez-esque. It looked like that in the stands, but as I said, he might have just hit the ball. I don't know. But, um, yeah, but it was great. And, yeah, it was excellent to see. And he's certainly now the player. I think with Coutinho, though, he had an excellent pre-season last season as well. You know, he looked absolutely on fire. And then when he went into the season, he wasn't quite as good. And he was a little bit sort of inconsistent. I think this is the year now when, you know, Swift Suarez haven't gone. Sort of, he's still only young, but obviously he needs to take that step up again. And I don't think there's much, there's lots to improve. Obviously, his goal scoring, and he got one yesterday. But also just that consistency in his game. But... To see him yesterday was great, and it's like, you know, you pay your money to go in, and with Suarez going, you're wondering, right, you know, where's, you know, where's the sort of enjoyment coming from? And it's there in the rest of the team, and I think Coutinho's the forefront of that. Yeah, that's that's actually a really interesting point that Neil makes there, Paul, um, that, you know, Luis Suarez actually did leave a legacy in terms of the way that people might approach the game. Um, um, that his couple of years there led to the younger players coming up, not just being, like Neil was saying there, inventive and off the cuff, but the strength that you see in these little guys in the tackle and using their bodies and using their body shape is very, very reminiscent a few times. The way Sterling moves now, the way he uses his arse to fend off lads and, yeah. you know, gets a bit of space for himself. It's, it's remarkable to watch and it could be an awful lot to what Neil's saying there. Yeah, it could be because that's that's what uh, that's what made Suarez what he was—the tenacity to go with the ability, and that's exactly what Coutinho and Sterling are doing now. Like you said, like we all, we've spoken before about Coutinho, like starting on Inzanzi, like basically headbutting his belly button nearly. Inzanzi <laughs> yeah, yeah. is twice the size, of him, and Sterling's not taking or Coutinho's not taking any crap off him. But um, yeah, like just watching Coutinho and Sterling yesterday again. I know it's only pre-season, but it was just absolutely brilliant. The intensity that they have, the like the ability, and the, just the hunger they have, even even in these kind of friendlies. And Coutinho is is all round game now. Like he, he when he first came in, he was sort of you know the play you'd give it to him, and he'd try something outrageous every time, like a lovely like a through ball, and it it would either come off or it wouldn't. But now he's like he's dictating a lot of the way we attack now. Like mm. dropping deep, dropping out wide, and getting involved in our general play a lot more. Mm. And uh, like I, I think I think he could play a lot of his uh, ball this season in midfield rather than you know behind the striker or out wide, which which I think is great for us. Mm. I think uh, like his all round game is just coming on so much. It's just and amazing it, to see someone with that vision, isn't it? Like that little dink through for for Sturridge's goal, and and then at last we see him taking a shot in the penalty area and he doesn't drag it hopelessly across <laughs> the goal it actually goes in the net yeah maybe you should take it on all his left foot yeah but yeah. Uh, what's going I was I only started watching it the, you know the second half so mm. the, um, like I had to record it because my team my football Sunday team was out getting whipped uh, 4-1 oh. so oh dear <laughs> yeah so um, what's going I I only watched the first half back again and you know like that that ball I, I kind of got up off the couch and started <laughs> screaming just started screaming <laughs> like you know the ball just starts <laughs> Oh my fucking Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> like, it was absolutely brilliant. The, yeah. Just the, the kind of nonchalance of it, where he just kind of yeah. flicked it and just walked off. Yeah. Go on, go on then. Go on, Danny, <laughs> go on. Fin- finish that one off yeah, then yeah. first. Yeah, but I, I think he, he, 
he really looks like he's going to rip the league apart this season. Yeah, Dave, would you would you be in concurrence there that we might have really something on our hands there in terms of potentially two real candidates for Player of the Year there in the two in the two boys Player of the Year. Yes. In pre-season, I'm just saying it. Yeah. All right, I'm just saying it. Okay, okay. I mean, I think two things. I would say one is Sterling is. I still think Sterling's further ahead, mm-hmm. uh, <coughs> just in terms of his end product. I think he'll. Really? I think he'll score yeah. more goals than Coutinho will mm-hmm. next season. I also think you do have to say Coutinho was great last preseason. You know, he did have a great preseason last preseason, and we were all like, you know, if he kicks on, um, you know, he could he could be something special. The difference this year, I think, is that with no Suarez, I think what's in front of Coutinho is a little bit more orthodox. So it's a, I think it'll allow him to be a little bit more... Um, you know, kind of read the game a little easier and play balls that he knows someone's going to go into. So more of a percentage player. Sturridge is more of a percentage runner. Sturridge is more of a percentage runner. So you could argue that that plays more into what the type of game that Coutinho plays. Whereas, you know, when he was playing with Suarez, you know, he's playing a ball and you know, Suarez is going the other way and screaming at him because he didn't get it to feet or, you know, you wanted to do a bicycle kick or you wanted 18 touches or whatever it was, you know, that, that's so unpredictable. I think more so than anything, the fourth goal, I was at, when I was watching it today, I was thinking, do we score that goal with Suarez in the side, right? And let me just be clear what I'm saying here. I'm not saying we didn't score great team goals with Suarez in the side because we did. But that was like, I think it was nine one-touch passes mm-hmm. all the way through, right? And do, if Suarez is one of those players that gets that ball with his back to goal 18 yards out of goal, he should. how many touches does he <laughs> take there, right? Yeah. So I did think, I'm not saying that's better, you know, for and I'm I'm kind of was uh, you know my feelings on Suarez. You know, it was the best player I've ever seen. But I did think it gave you a little bit of a window into how we might play without Suarez mm. and how it might play to the strengths of the likes of Sterling and Coutinho, who were great with Suarez. But I just thought that fourth goal was interesting. I just all the way through, I'm going. At one point, Suarez takes another touch there yeah. and tries to beat the man. And maybe we still score, but he tries to beat the man. So I thought that's what that one was interesting to say. But just on Coutinho specifically, take it in isolation. He was fucking majestic yesterday. He was the best player on the pitch by a country mile. And if he finishes more chances the way he took his goal, he'll get 10 goals this season. Yeah, Steve. I want to move the conversation to the midfield area a bit more. Uh, I'm going to talk to yourself and Phil about um, uh, looking at uh, Steve Gerrard and, and Emre Chan as a potential pairing there, and um, how do you think they may work? Um, Henderson seemed to be very much pushed on yesterday. Um, certainly playing um, for the majority of the match in a very attacking uh, role. Do you think that's a thing that's doable? We've always talked about this idea of a two and how Gerrard can't really do it. Like with someone who's apparently um, far more mobile like Emery Chan, do you think that's a doable thing for him with, with Henderson pushed on? Um, I don't know. Um, it's hard to say mm. in the sense that, I do, you know, Gerrard in a two with Lucas is absolutely a no-go. And even even with Hendo last year, I think I think the thing about Chan is that he knows that role so well and he can play that role so well mm-hmm. that he may be able to bring something more to it, especially if the two are both sitting. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If they're not playing as two orthodox centre mids, then, you know what I mean, box-to-box midfielders, then it may be a little bit different. But I don't know. Like It is very, very hard to, to, to call it. I, I don't necessarily see it being a two with Hendo pushed that far on. When we get into the into the season, when we have to play Spurs and City within the first three games, um, 
I would think that maybe you might see slightly similar to, to last season with, with Gerard tucked in behind Chan and Henry. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's how it may go. Listen, you know what I mean? It's it's presuming now. We we just don't know because obviously they're new personnel and you won't get that feeling until you get to see a few games and, and, and get a, an idea of how they look together. Like that's that's the first time I've seen them properly together. You know, mm. the other friendlies that have been there I haven't like even the United game, I didn't pay too much heed to anybody that was playing, you know, and, mm. and, and where they were playing or anything like that. It was it was minutes under the belt. I suppose the thing is we're all making a presumption, aren't we, Steve, that um it's going to be Jared is going to start because that just seems to be Brendan's thing. Yeah. Um, now this season may pan out and he yeah. may not. You he know, can't. So. He can't start every yeah. game this yeah. season. So you're going to see variations. Will it go to Chan sitting in front of Hall- uh, Alan and Hendo or Hallen as I like to know? Hallen, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the duo. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know. Yeah. You, you know, but th- but that's uh, that's something I would like to see. Actually, it, it is something. If they're going to play that three the way we played it last season, I would like to see Chan in. Be behind um, Alan and Henderson and, and to see how much ground they could get through they're all well capable of retaining possession turning possession over and, and covering the, the ground as well oh. and and that could be nice to see especially if you're playing three very attacking players and st- I'm not saying Sterling and Coutinho don't go back and do their bit of work of course they do and we've seen that last season um, but It'd be nice to see if they didn't maybe have to do it as much yeah. because the three that were there were, were so industrious and capable of covering so much ground. Very good. Um, what what was Emery Chan uh, looking like for you, Phil? Um, is, is it a concern that he only played half the match? I hear he played another half today behind closed doors. Yeah, I, I, I was confused as to why Lucas came on because it, I, I don't think he'd be here um, come the end of the transfer window. Um, and I think rightfully so. I think his time at Liverpool's up. But, you know, I, I looked at Chan. I thought it was very interesting because coming back to the setup, I, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily a two. Um, but at times they became a two um, it was a very very fluid formation it was probably one of the most fluid formations I've seen by a Liverpool team in a while um, Gerard, you know he where he was playing he, he was effectively in possession a toward centre back the way he, he actually played yeah we've um, seen that a lot he, he drops in the two two centre backs went very wide um, and it pushed on Mankeo and Glenn Johnson and then Chan went in and joined in with the midfield and Henderson pushed right on but when we when we were defending it became very much a, a, a two. Chan seemed to drop in and, and help out with the covering that Gerard was doing. And Henderson effectively became one of a three in front of the two. So you had Coutinho, Sterling and Henderson. Henderson predominantly on the right-hand side, say in the old Dorkout type role where he was helping out Mankeo down the right-hand side. Sterling was on the left-hand side, basically playing as our left full. And, um, you know, the... That, that's where it looked like a two. So to me, it looked like that Gerard's position is, was pretty much fixed in a certain point of the actual pitch, and then Chan is almost sweeping in front of that in front of that back three, which when we're in possession, so that it's to, effectively to try prevent us being caught in transition, which we've talked about before. Um, and I thought then maybe Brendan was given a last look at Lucas to say, right, will I let him go or not? Is he capable of stepping in and doing that same type of thing alongside Gerard? And I personally, I didn't think he was because when he came on, he seemed to stand himself and Gerard seemed to take up the exact same positions on the pitch. They were standing on, on each other's toes, and the, 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 there was massive gaps between our mid 
um, the, the two of them and the rest of the actual the, the tree that was on in front of them. Um, it was just you know it's 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 one of those things that you wonder. You just wonder, um, is this the sort of fluidity that Rodgers is always talking about that he wanted in, in, in the actual team itself? So, you know, it was good to see that type of progression. It was good to see the midfield being so fluid in terms of central midfield and the whole lot. Um, so, I, I, I'm all in all, you know, I, I was impressed enough with the first half. I, as I said to you when we're talking outside the actual game, I thought that um, Dortmund, it wasn't a full-strength Dortmund team by any, by any means or shape, but at the same time, they're going to be about the same level as 60% of the Premiership teams that were playing. Like that, that reserve Dortmund side, it would be a decent side in, in the actual Premiership itself. And we were able to put a team like them to the sword in the same way we put poorer teams to the sword in Anfield beforehand. Um, so that to me was the positive. And I thought, yeah, there was, there was plenty of movement and chance to get it, as I said, be, become more or less a, a front sort of sweeper in front of Gerard when he drops into that towards centre back. So th- th- there's logic and there's a progression in the way he can play. Of course, I, I'd be looking forward to seeing him play, you know, as a replacement for Gerard in the defence because mm. you know that's that's where I think naturally he'll develop into as 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 as, as the, the as his co- contract wears on with ourselves and as Gerard starts takes a step back, and um, but you couldn't really complain too much because we were so so dominant and, and that was another good thing we were so dominant in midfield we had the ball so we kept the ball so well and we were able to get that ball and quick ball to the front three in Sterling Coutinho and Sturridge because none of the Bar- Sterling was predominantly left hand side but. Henderson was providing most of the outlet on, on the right-hand side. So I thought, thought, I, all in all, look, the, the midfield did its job on the day and it dealt with whatever was put in front of it. And, and you can only ask that. That's what you want in, in, in your last pre-season friendly. Plenty of confidence and a bit of progression in the actual side. Yeah, and Neil, it was a, a real kind of bonus to get to see Sturridge up top yesterday. I think an awful lot of us were wary and wondering whether we would or not. And he looks to be in good nick. Um, talk to me about him. But before you do that, just to finish up this idea of the midfield, looking at Gerrard yesterday... Um, he looked very comfortable. Um, now, as Phil says, it wasn't exactly the most pressurised he's ever going to be with the, the, the standard, the opposition yesterday. But first of all, tell me about how Jared seemed. And secondly, then, talk to me about Daniel Sturridge and the movement that you saw from him. Yeah, I mean, Gerard seemed fine. Gerard had a good game. I think we all know that he benefits from someone sort of, you know, next to him to, to help him out. And, like, Sean was pretty close to him for uh, most of that first half. I mean, to be honest, it's the first time I've sort of seen a decent amount of Sean. And he, I mean, he was neat and tidy. And, you know, he was just sort of laying it off and everything. I didn't think he was exceptional. But I thought Gerard was sort of quietly got on about his game. I think yesterday, with the exception of, like, you know, the forward players and, and Lovren, probably, it was it, it was one of those sort of cliched where cliche games where like, every player it was like, you know, they were neat, they were tidy they never did anything wrong I mean, and considering that we're a side that often, well we maybe let to a less extent uh, to the second part of our season but a team that is makes mistakes a fair bit, that does not see those mistakes was great and yeah I mean, I never massively noticed Gerard yesterday to be honest, I mean you, you're there really sort of thinking right, what's Lovren like, what are these other players like like I'm a man, I can only concentrate on one thing at a time. You know, ah, bless. You know, I can only, I can only look at one player. I have no idea what's going on the rest of the pitch. Storage, <laughs> uh, though. I don't just storage. See, the thing I, I really like about storage is that again, his movement was excellent. Um, he he will just always score a goal. You know, we had quiet patches, so sort of certainly in the second half. I mean, I was a bit. Sort of, 
I really wanted him to take him off. I didn't want to see him come back on in the second half. I was like, right, he's got his goal. He's had 45 minutes. He's been injured. Right, just rest him because he's essentially our only striker that he's just a, a probably got true faith in at the moment. Um, but, I mean, he took his goal really well. But that, it's just getting... You get blasé about studies now. He will just always score a goal. And that's just, you know what he did yesterday. And it, just to have that in the bank, that, you know, you're not counting on... You have to go back to Suarez. Suarez to do something sort of exceptional. It's like, if Sturridge gets one or two chances, he will put one of those two chances away. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the goals speak for themselves. Now, he did it again yesterday. He was quite... I mean, there was a couple of people around me, I mean, like there always is, sort of complaining a little bit. And I don't know what he has to do, really, to sort of, like, get those few doubts still on side. He just scores goal after goal. His movement's really good. I think he'll sort of go up a level now that Suarez is not there because I think he likes being the main man. Um, like was touched on earlier, I think with Suarez not being there, Sturridge, Coutinho and Sterling will probably work together sort of better, you know, the three of them sort of up front. So, no, he was excellent yesterday and just another game, another goal. And on Southampton on Sunday, he'll just score again. You just expect it now. I mean, that is essentially the rate at which he's scoring goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't think you're ever going to completely shut up those moaning bastards uh, that, that seem to frequent the games. Neil, that just seems to be the way of it. People just love a moan. Paul, uh, to move it on a little bit uh, and maybe look at something that's maybe not 100% as positive, I'll talk to yourself and Steve-O about this. Uh on the day, maybe if we're looking at lads who weren't just as excellent um, uh, as as you would hope. What's wrong, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> Look at him, he can't wait. I'm not going to ask him. I'm not even going to ask him. <laughs> Look at the face. Look at his little funny face. Gonna, oh, he's got a pipe. He's got a pipe. Uh, Paul, talk to me about uh, three people in particular. Uh, and like I said, it's not... Talk to me about Martin's girl. Talk to me about Glenn Johnson on the day and talk to me about uh, the performance of Luke Slaver when he came on. What did you think of the guys? And was there any redemption for them? Is there any pushing forward for them? Uh, they've gotten a lot of abuse lately. Um, I thought Skirt was okay. Uh, like I've, I've, I've made my feelings clear on him. I'd get rid of him if I could because hmm. I think he's a potentially good player but he's been here seven years or something now like I just I just don't think he's ever going to be a consistent player so like he is capable of games like that where he's solid enough and like towards the back end of last season he played some like he played some brilliant games first but like I I just I don't trust him at all Johnson wasn't as Johnson as usual. I thought he was, it was it was one of his better games mm. where he but he like he wasn't even really that good, which mm. is saying something like mm. I think the last time I kinda of saw Johnson playing well was probably Cardiff away. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, you, you mentioned earlier on we were chatting before the pod about the, the, the little sporadic applause that he got for uh, the crossfield ball that he pinged or was a Phil that said that um, it's almost as if people in this state are saying oh look give him a break like, you know what I mean <laughs> maybe yeah but like like that's just a statement in itself that like you know a yeah. pre-season game where he did okay yeah. and you're, like, you're trying to pluck a positive out but like I just yeah. I don't see the point of him being here really so I'm, I'm <laughs> delighted Manquillo is here I'm delighted Moreno looks like he's coming <laughs> And I'm delighted Johnson's probably out the door. Yeah. Lucas was 
it was fairly awful. Like he came on and basically all I remember him doing was kicking people, hmm. siding through the back of them. And, and then just laughing because it's, it's so funny to give away free kicks around the edge of the <laughs> Tre- Trev actually did a drawing well, of, actually, of Lucas. Uh, we, we might put it up on Twitter later. He has a drawing <laughs> of Lucas's favourite spot to give away free there, kicks. Just there in the corner of the 18 yards. It's box. circled as well for yeah, emphasis. Yeah. We'll get that up in the Twitter feed maybe later. But um, yeah, like, and, and as Phil says, you know, the, he, do, he does get himself out of bookings by, you know, kind of joking with the ref. I'll give him that. But yeah, just the ridiculous free kicks that he's given away. You know, people people taking the ball into their feet, they've nowhere to go. Oh, have a have a free kick, I'll take your Achilles <laughs> out. But like Do you reckon he's actually having a laugh with the refs, or is he just doing like his best Manuel impression from Faulty Towers? Just looking at him going, okay? <laughs> what where, where, where do you stand all things, Steve? Well, of the three guys, like would you would you see any of them featuring regularly? Do you think Skirtle is I think, probably I think Skirtle is yeah. the most like my worry I worry that Johnson will feature regularly. Mm. Um, He'll start the season probably, won't he? I don't know. Like uh, Rogers was very, very. He was gushing in his praise of Manquillo yesterday. Was he? Um, he was, yeah. And, and Lovren, he was talking about them today, saying that he felt that uh, Manquillo had had an excellent uh, game for the length of time he was on the pitch, and you know, basically saying he couldn't ask for much more than Lovren. He's been searching for that type of player since Jamie Carragher left. So that mm-hmm. they were his exact words. So, um, and I think we could see that yesterday how commanding Lovren was, um, just demanding things of players around him that he's only known for a week and a half yeah. you know what I mean and that's great you know it's great to see um, it doesn't matter what level of football you play at you want to see you want to see players come in like that regardless of whether it's Sunday League or whether it's Premiership you know and, I mean? and that's probably where my fear around Skirtle stems from because Skirtle was always vocal that he you know he always felt uncomfortable playing alongside Carragher when Carragher was shouting at him telling him to get up and the whole lot and you know he, he always was happier when, when <laughs> Carragher he, never told anybody to get up <laughs> drop drop <laughs> drop <laughs> I know, but, but I'm in the net Jamie <laughs> no but he, he, when he, used, he used to say you know he, he'd feel a bit uncomfortable in his game when, when Carragher was screaming at him all the time he yeah. had to do the different things and you just wonder, you know, if Lovren is so vocal on the pitch, well, I don't know because I haven't been in, in the ground nowhere, you know, if that's him or not. Um, how does Skirtle react to that? Because Skirtle used to be fucking horrific alongside mm. Carragher. I used to always think Skirtle did well alongside Agar and, and anybody else, think, but as soon as he played alongside Carragher, he looked nervy and was more prone to mistakes at the, at, when, when he played alongside It might have just been the pitch of Carragher's voice that was off putting. <laughs> <laughs> Skirtle, when, when Carragher was at his peak, was probably only about 24 as well. You know, it's still quite young for a centre back. I, I think Skirtle. He'll play until he's not good enough anymore. You know, I think that Lovren is starting and it's about who plays next to him. And mm. I think that, mm. you know, the reality is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of love for Sacco. And I, I think this is typical of, of our fans and we're all guilty of it. It's like, you know, the player that we see glimpses of who doesn't tend to play much, we think we elevate their performance levels beyond... The what play, they actually beyond their, their what they are, yeah, 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 and beyond the players that we see every week because we see them every week and we see their mistakes every week. I mean, yeah. you only remember the good parts yeah. of the players you don't see that often. Plus, I think apart from Sacco from <laughs> Sacco from the World Cup was a lot better than Sacco played for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely, season. and and still he wasn't the best French defender. No. You know what I mean? I still think probably Koscielny and definitely Varane yeah. were better than him. Boschelny. Neil the most controversial of the, of the guys who, who keeps getting a mention here on this podcast is, is, is Glenn Johnson what, what, how did you feel he did yesterday um, and do you think he's going to be a starter for the season I think unfortunately I think he will I mean the thing is that I've, I've, I've got like, obsessed with Johnson now where I, 
you know, where you're watching them to make mistakes, which is unfair because you don't watch every other player to sort of make a mistake. I mean, you sort of scrutinise them far more than anyone else. So therefore, mm. it sort of, you know, it like emphasises and it sort of accentuates it. So, I mean, yesterday, so I've, I've gone the other way. I'm, I'm literally sitting there really trying to sort of put a positive to spin on every shit thing that he does. <laughs> and, and the best that I could come out with yesterday was, you know when uh, Mingale does those goal kicks that go to the halfway line, to see, and, yeah. like, you look like, and he always go out, don't he? You know, he like, jumps up for it, doesn't get it, goes out, gives him possession and that. Like, Mingale did one of those balls yesterday and Johnson arched his back and kept it in. That was the best thing I saw him yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and save one of Mingulay's shit from actually going out. And I think we actually did retain possession from it. And to be fair, he wasn't as bad as he has been, but I just I, it goes against real. I don't. I just it's because I don't understand it. That's what I just like gets on me nerves so much. Like with every other player, I think Rogers has been particularly sort of ruthless. And if they're not good enough, they go and you know they are binned off, whether it be permanently or whether it be within the game. But for some reason, he just persists with Johnson, and he was slightly better yesterday. But I, you know, I think the ship has sailed now. For whatever reason it is, he he's just gone to shit, and he just needs to be sold to QPR or West Ham. We'll, we'll get like. We we'll get like fifteen million off them or something. Like rinse them, clear off. And to be honest, that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, the fact that they're the types of clubs that he's getting linked with, and they're the types of clubs that will he will end up with. Well, for the team that are going to be going for the league this season, which we, you know, I believe we must be, then he's clearly not good enough. And straight away, I mean, I don't know if Flanagan's injured, but I'd play Enrique before Johnson. I play Flanagan before Johnson, um, and I'm not as big as fan lads. I was just going to say that has come across quite clearly there, Neil. Fair play to you, mate. What is what is the story of Flanagan? Just out of interest, injury wise, he, he is like he's injured to the point of yeah. not being ready anytime soon. Or I'd still play him ahead of Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> but I believe he is injured. Yeah, one leg, but you could hop. You could hop. Can I just say Johnson's yeah. best moment yesterday was he took a throw in. That Chan bicycle kick down the line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. That, that to me he loves the bicycle kick, that kid, doesn't he? Ah, it's great, knocked, isn't it? He nearly knocked P-Shack out. <laughs> I think knocking P-Shack right. out is the best. That was quality. <laughs> that was quality. Neil, to finish us off, talk to us a little bit about um, your experience yesterday um, outside the ground trying to uh, move units of We Are Liverpool. Talk to us a little bit about it um, and the magazine itself and how people can get their paws on it, etc. going forward now. Yeah, I mean... It was a bit slow going yesterday because it was a friendly and you obviously get a different sort of type of um, crowd. I mean, I'm not having a go with people who go to friendly <laughs> that like, you know, you know, paying 25 quid for a ticket is much better than paying sort of 50 quid for a ticket. And also the fact that you can just get that ticket sort of alone. So, you know, but obviously because a lot of people aren't regular match goers and you've got like sort of like little kids and things. I mean, I did have like little sort of like, you know, like, well, I'm sending an eight-year-old kids over to come and buy a coffee. And I was actually turning around and going, you clearly haven't read full Casey's people. I was just going to say, <laughs> don't let them read Casey's, Jesus. Especially a swearing manual. <laughs> so, uh, I thought to be, so I was actually turning business away because... Because of know, Casey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You're better off. <laughs> anyway, Neil, tell us a little bit more about how, how people can get their paws on it and get, in, get buying it online and so on. Oh, yeah, I will, I will quickly say yesterday, I mean, because I, 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 as, you, as you know, I do like to go around the houses. So um, I was just slagging loads of people off. But it, it was actually sort of quite funny yesterday because the queue for the shop went out, went, came out of the shop onto the street and then right along the cop, round the corner to where the centenary stand is. Jesus. And there, was people, there was people queuing there for two hours. So like, and the, oh, all the fuckers are standing where I sell the fanzine and sort of where my mate sells the fanzine as well. So I had to move. So we was, I was standing there. It was lashing it down. I was standing next to a bin. But it's curry and his chips off the top of the bin. Like some like mad skank. Like all these people in the fucking queue looking at me like some sort of cop shite. <laughs> <laughs> like, like my GCSE project, you know, like one you've got there and you're a five paper with your, your shit clip art and all this stuff. <laughs> when I went into the game, I wasn't best pleased. So everyone there was a bastard. But for the people who bought it, they were excellent. Yeah, they're good lads, yeah. <laughs> And the good thing to see, though, which I'm happy about, is both online and for the, uh, the tens of thousands of people who bought it yesterday, <laughs> is, it is, it is um, there's people coming back. We've obviously bought the first issue, and they've liked it, and they're coming back for more, and they're, sort of, you know, they're, they're saying that type of thing. So really, I'm just in a position now where it's getting people to sort of get it in the first place. But I'm happy with the quality of it and sort of the content and everything. Um, I think... As I said before on that last podcast that I did with you, that you pretended you had um, problems with and binned off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just binge you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. Much better um, tonight. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking that earlier on when you got on. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we're having a problem with the line now. <laughs> um, Totally forgot what I was saying then. Give us the link for, for people buying online and we, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a nice short um, website. I wanted to get something longer than LFC Day Trippers. So, um, <laughs> so we are LiverpoolFanzine.com. And um, you buy it on that. It's there cheap. It's literally the cheapest I can sell it. Break it even. I mean, like, nothing's just made from it. So um, it is excellent. And there's loads of great writers in there. And there's something in there for everyone. So if you want to learn words that you never knew, you can read Sarev's piece. If you want to read something no full stops in, you can read Phil's. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Neil. Cheers, mate. Okay, let's have a look forward to the Southampton game at the weekend. And in order to do that, we're joined by Rob Palmer from the Final Third podcast. On. Uh, Rob, how does it feel to be a Southampton fan at the moment and seeing all the uh, top uh, class players that you have had um, sort of leaving the side um, and a lot of uncertainty about who's coming back in to replace them? How's that uh, generally feeling as, as a Southampton fan at the moment? I have to say it's probably the most difficult summer that I've had to endure as a Southampton fan in terms of exits because mm. we've lost, as our talisman, we've lost Ricky Lambert, our club captain, and we've lost our vice captain, Adam Lallana, as well. Hard to take. Both yourselves, but it is, it's also optimistic in a way because we're a club that are built around youth, the youth academy, and these, these players leaving, we're always planning for the future, so it's kind of good in a way that these young players are now going to get an opportunity to step up. 
Yeah, that's that's possibly uh, very much looking at the bright side for you, is it, Rob? You know, yeah, it's kind of the only way to look at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, is there a general feeling of annoyance uh, about Liverpool um, as a club, given the sort of cherry picking that's going on there from us? For me, not personally, because at the end of the day, as I said, we're a selling club at the moment, and like Liverpool tend are building a core of young British talent in that team with Sterling, which he's already had with Sturridge. And he's only adding to that with the likes of Lallana. Well, Lambert's not young, but he's still English, you know? Hmm. And it was it was inevitable that given the season we had, it's the best one we've ever had in the top flight, it was inevitable we were going to lose our big players to, to clubs of a bigger stature than us. So it's 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 annoying in a way because, yeah, we've lost our players, but it's I don't hold any grudges towards Liverpool at the end of the day. Rob, talk to me about who we can, you know, you, you've got an inside track there and you know, as you mentioned about the kids that are coming up, who is it that's going to be impressing for Southampton uh, in this season to come? Who should we be keeping an eye out for? I think the young players that we have already, I think the two players that we have to be looking out for are Sam Gallagher, who, who who's, who's a decent young striker. I think he'll be he'll be sort of key with uh, Pele up top because I think Pele is going to take a while to sort of integrate into English football. He's a, he's a quality player, but he's been playing in the Dutch league and he wasn't particularly successful in Serie A when he was there. So I think I think Gallagher will be shouldering a lot of the the, the workload there, and also James Ward Prowse, probably in my opinion one of the best young English talents in the game at the moment. Yeah. He can play he can play defensive midfield as he played towards the end of the season under Pochettino. But he can also play out wide right, and he's absolutely fantastic at wide right. He's got probably the best final ball I've seen of a player of his age. He's fantastic, and then sort of a dark horse might be Omar Rowe. He's, uh, I think, he's only nineteen, and he's he's a winger as well. Hmm. Very quick young player, sort of a bit rash in his final ball at the moment, but he has he has the tricks to get by people. So he is something special. And what about your new signings, Tadic and Fraser Foster? I think I think on the on the final third, I said Foster last season was a bit overrated, and I think. I think paying ten million for him is a bit sort of over the odds, but we did need a keeper who was a bit more consistent than Boric, yeah, because he's a, he's a bit erratic to be fair. And uh, Tyler, as you said, he's he, he's been brought in really as cover, I suppose. He's he's not really been he's not really been featuring for Inter Milan since he's been there. He's going to be in there a season, but it means we've offloaded Osvaldo, which is good. But uh, Tadic out on the wing, he's going to be a quality son. He's he scored sixteen goals from the right side for I think twenty it was last season. And he got a bucket loads of assists as well. So he's he's a very good he's a very good replacement for Lalana in my opinion. How do you think things are going to change under Kuman in terms of the setup, or do you think it will be very noticeable? I think I think under Kuman it's going to be it's going to be roughly the same as Pochettino's philosophy. To be honest, I think Kuman is more of a, a defensive minded coach. Not to say that he's negative, but he sort of prides himself more on clean sheets than Pochettino did. Pochettino was sort of he just wanted to kind of go out and outscore the opposition in a way. We had an all right defensive record at the start, but if I'm honest with you, I think that was just down to luck, to be honest. Yeah. But Koeman tends to like he he tends to like to have an organised back four, and he likes to have the two the two holes midfielders actually do a proper defensive job rather than just kind of being there as a token. So I think I think we'll be we'll be expecting less less goals from Southampton this season, but I think more clean sheets, which is a plus. And how do you see it lining up, or how, what are your what are your hopes for the opening day of the season? Would you be reasonably optimistic against our lot? Um, and, and generally speaking, what way do you think it's going to look you know, the shape of, of of your team? I think I'm I'm not I'm not optimistic to beat yourselves to be honest because it's away and like you mm. have our entire squad. So <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think I think I think to be honest, if we go if we go to Anfield and we get a point. That will be a fantastic result because the amount of players we've lost, it'll take a while for this side to gel properly, to get them to play the way Kuman wants them to play. Because 
as, as I said there, there's a lot of young players going to be coming through and they're not going to be used to top-level football. They've been playing in the development squads and all this, and they've had a few run-outs in the cup games, but I think, I think a point would be probably the best result we can hope for at Anfield. Yeah, well, look, <clears throat> let me come at it from a very, very selfishly Liverpool point of view, and I want you to tell me something, because we've been discussing it here amongst ourselves. We're a little bit nervous uh, about a certain situation. Is Ricky Lambert always a bit shit in pre-season? <laughs> <laughs> um, well... I, th- I was reading one of your pieces on your website about Ricky Lambert and I was saying that he's sort of, you think he's overawed by the whole massive preseason tour of the US and all this. And I think, I think, I think to a sense you're right. But he's also, he's also like, I don't think, I've never said he's a, he's a gifted footballer, if you get me. He's a mechanical footballer. He's a, he's a player who sort of works off, works off his own work rate, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's, it's sort of like if something goes out of sync in a car's engine or something, it's going to rip itself to pieces. It's the same with Ricky Lambert. If something goes wrong with him, I take him out of his comfort zone and play him in the, a big tour of the US. Something's going to go wrong. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's he's going to be. He'll have anything to worry about because for us, he's he's not, he's not exactly. He's never ripped the place apart in preseason. He's he's a, he's, a, he's a conservative player, and he what he's doing is he's being intelligent and he's saving himself for the season. He doesn't want to be going into the season and pull a hamstring chasing after a ball in the channel. Right, he's, right. That's that, that's his that's his attitude. In my opinion, he's never he's never. Never lived up in preseason. He is a mechanical footballer, and he's he's won't have any concerns. He's been fantastic for us. I I jump off a bridge. Be telling me that he's that important to me. So he has to succeed at Liverpool for me. He will. He will. He has to. Jesus, right? I I feel really really bad for even mentioning that now at all in any way no, negative. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, mate. Thanks a million for the insights there. Really really appreciate that. That's very 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 useful indeed. Right, chaps. Having spoken to Rob, then what do we think uh, ourselves might be the likely lineup? Uh, and shape of the team uh, for the weekend. Um, Paul Brown, get the ball rolling on this. Willie, what do you think it's going to look like? I'd say it'd be pretty similar to what we saw against Dortmund. And I, I'd be fairly happy with that. Obviously, um... What? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Paul does not handle doing anything that is not the spoken word. We're all just if it's not the spoken word, yeah. Paul gets freaked the fuck out. You can't not Paul. You can't not at like Paul. fucking a Chucky doll or something. <laughs> <laughs> Chucky Thomas. Because we said we're all going to agree, right? So we're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, that's all. Yeah, don't. Sorry, Paul. No, no, no. Let's go straight. You, you, you reckon it's going to be the same? as are very, very similar to what I we think saw. So, yeah. Like if I couldn't make a couple of changes, I like get Sacco in instead of Skirtle. But like it's not going to happen. Mm. If, if Moreno's coming off a plane in John Lennon Airport, I'll get him in ahead of Johnson <laughs> right. or Flanagan. If he's even if he's got one of those big plastic boots on, ankle boots on. But, <laughs> like nothing. Like, I think it is going to be the same. And yeah. I wouldn't be too fussed about that. Yeah, and okay, uh, and and in terms of setup, then do you reckon it's going to look like uh, a, a midfield three, midfield two? What how do you think it's going to line up? I'd say, I'd say it will be three. Yeah, I think yeah. Okay, okay, so not a lot of similarities to last season, and you reckon that's the the the, the team's the team. Stevo, presuming you agree, because you were nodding there, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just like uh, myself, Dave. Not, not as bad as fucking Dave 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 was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, Noddy Thomas and myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need an adult. He makes a great point. Uh, yeah. Noddy, no, not Noddy. Norman Price <laughs> from Fireman Sam. <laughs> um, no, no, Sam. I want Sacco to play in the centre of the defence. <laughs> Jesus, that's a wonderful one, Jackson. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, what, is there anything that you'd like to see from this team? And uh, Paul's talking about the unlikely... Uh, chances of, of, of any changes would they be the same for you and uh, is there anything you'd like to see specifically or you're looking for? I, I, think, I think from we probably need to realise in my head it's only in the last week or so I've realised we're not playing the Southampton of last year 
they've been asset stripped. You know yeah. what I mean? They've got a different manager. Myself and Phil were at the game last year, um, and you know I was very surprised. Well, I was at the game. Phil was asleep, probably for most of it. I don't know. It's the usual thing, but um, but no, I was surprised at at the the standard of them on the day. Now we were poor. Sturridge wasn't playing. Suarez was. Uh, Sturridge wasn't playing, was he? Uh, I'm confused. We did. Sorry, Suarez was Suarez was playing, but we were just poor on the, on the day, and and you know they're going to be a team that have a lot of new players coming in there. The first game of the season. I'm not too worried. I would think. If the starting eleven that started against Dortmund yesterday goes out against Southampton next week, we pick up three points. Mm. Unless we fuck it up. Mm. I don't think anything they bring should be a worry for us. And I know that sounds cocky, but that's how I honestly feel about our side at the moment. I feel that if we go out and play the game that we should play, and haven't got the win that we got yesterday, which I think we needed, um, we should go out and have far too much for them. We should be too strong. That's fair, Dave, isn't it? That like you know, there comes a time, um, <laughs> although it's a bit early, that we you just have to say, look, we should just be beating this, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I helpful? think uh, I think we're going to end up saying that a lot this season, right? That if yeah. we do everything we should be doing, we'll win. Mm. Uh, the game last season you got to remember was the one where he played two at right back and Sacco at left back. Yeah, mm. you know, which is a fucking like absolute clusterfuck from Rogers. so you'd have to assume that he's learnt um, the Southampton team though they're going to go one or two ways right they're either going to be demoralised because of what's have happened and they're going to they're going to be a bit shell shocked or they're going to have the new manager bounce and, and if you're going to pick a game like you'd want this Southampton side but with Pochettino do you know what I mean you'd want this team that's so been decimated yeah, but with the old manager, manager yeah. rather than with the new manager so uh, we'll win. I, I, we should win on paper. We should win. I think we've got too much from all over the park. Um, and if we play to eighty percent of the way we played on Sunday, we'll beat them. Yeah, Phil. Um, Rob was saying that he would think a, a point to be a good result for them. Um, I know you're not of that opinion. For Liverpool, a win is 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 probably the only acceptable result. But with the kids and with the manager, the new setup, we have to be winning this one. Yeah, we have to be winning. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I, uh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> that was a scouse accident. <laughs> Jamie Carragher impression. <laughs> Look, we, you know, the start of the season, you're starting at home. Um, it's it, it, a bit like Stoke last year. It doesn't matter what score it is once we win the game. It doesn't matter how we win it once we win the game. And you get your first three points on the board. And because we're going into two difficult games after it, and, and two difficult away games in, in Spurs and City. If we win, we're already three points up on the corresponding fixtures of last year. If we draw, we're already a point up on the corresponding fixtures of last year. You know, um, and it doesn't boil down to opening first three fixtures, but you do take a bit of pressure off yourself in terms of going to what 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 you then take into the next two games because I, I you look and, and looking ahead like you you'd be looking to take a, possibly six points from those opening three games as a minimum um, and allowing you to slip up in one of the away matches. What you don't want to do is slip up in your first match and then you're putting yourself under pressure to get two wins or at least a win and a draw in your next two games as well. Um, a point at the end of the day will be a bit disappointing, I think, especially because we have played reasonably well in pre-season. You know, we, we've looked like we've picked up where we left off. Um, our passing was crisp and smooth on, on, on Sunday. And it's all, all you want is to just keep the ball going, keep keep the keep the way we've doing it and keep the confidence going, especially in the first couple of games without Suarez, just to keep that belief high and keep that fear in our teams that we're still a relentless machine in terms of goal scoring and, and winning games. And that, yes, we might have lost Suarez, but we're, 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 we're as strong 
strong or as nearly as strong as a team as we were last season. So, and, and it gives the fans a great belief. The last thing we want is you know to have a couple of dodgy results and everyone starts getting the doubt and the fear back into their minds again. Yeah, that's what yesterday was important from that point of view, wasn't it? To see the to see. Uh, the free-flowing football because I think people are still worried and most people I think even everybody in this room would still like to see a big name coming in mm. a sort of even if it is a, an attacking midfielder just somebody that will put the shits up the opposition no? Yeah it's, 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 it's that element of fear factor that Suarez naturally brought with him because he was so good and you know but you know if Coutinho performs like that in, against good teams and poor teams then that fear factor is, is, is straight away there they've already got it with Sterling like when they see Sterling on the team sheet they're not going to be looking forward to playing against him the same with Sturridge they see Sturridge on the team sheet they're going to say this guy has goals in him you know we're going to have our work cut out today when, when we go out to play these so it's, it's all about the fear factor and with those three you know, you've got that level of fear factor there that, and that's what you need to build on. And hopefully our other signings that we've made can also bring that to their game as well when they do eventually start making appearances for ourselves in, in the first team. Um, I, I really, look. I'm, I'm very hopeful and very positive about the, the game coming up. Um, and it's, 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 uh, There's not much more you can really say because we don't know what Southampton are going to look like. We don't know how they're going to set up and we don't know how they're going to play because they are under Koeman. You can only take your markers off Koeman when he was in, when he was in Holland. And yes, he, 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 not so much defence mind of course, but he does take pride in the defensive side of the game, as, as Rob had said. Um, so it would be interesting. I, I, I'd imagine they'll come and they'll probably look to keep it tight for 70 minutes and then maybe try to nick a goal or nick a result at, at that stage. Um, so it would be up to us to, to, to see how we can react to teams who are going to park the bus without Suarez. Yeah, and I was going to say, it doesn't really matter, does it, that we don't know anything about them because no. we're going to have to go and play our game and set up the way we want to mm-hmm. set up. And you're expecting a bit of a statement, are you? We're going to approach the, the Champions League this way in every yeah. game we play this <clears> season, <throat> so we need to get used to that. But I was just going to ask a question that's slightly off topic, but we were talking about just wanting to see a big name for the sake of a big name. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I do. I, th- I thought I did, right up until about five minutes ago, or two minutes ago when we started talking about it. <laughs> but the more I think about it... It's lovely to see evolution. <laughs> Darwin, you bastard. Um, but, but in, in all seriousness... Stubborn like, to the point of just changing his mind willy-nilly. <laughs> well, we spent... We, you know, somebody's just said there, um, even if it is an attacking midfielder, I think it was you, Phil, but we've just spent 50 million quid on two attacking midfielders. So, you know, from my point of view... Here's a question. Is Sterling and Coutinho at the level now that Suarez was when he signed for us originally? No. No. Not, not in terms of goal threat. Probably well, not. Well, no. different goal, players. How many, the, how the many goals did he score between January and, and the end of the season that year? Was it eight? Yeah. No, he, had, he was in double figures. Well, well if I could... If I could no, re, I'd rephrase it slightly. Who would I rather have Sterling now or Suarez when we bought him? Not knowing what Suarez would go on to yeah. do. I'd pick Sterling now. But yeah. I, but I, but it was exponential growth. Like yeah. the, the the development we of that don't know how in two seasons was insane. Well, imagine Sterling. I don't, goes, I don't know. Imagine Sterling goes and does that. I, Sterling, I, I, does still, I still would have wanted Suarez ne- Suarez then over Sterling now, and it's not. And that's not putting Sterling down because Sterling is only, 19, only nineteen, right? Yeah. We yeah. were signing Suarez when he was 23, 23, 24, 23, 24 yeah. had already done wonders at the World Cup. Was coming with a growing reputation. Had netted forty nine goals in, in forty seven games for for Ajax the year beforehand. He was already a really prolific goal scorer. And the one thing that we're missing from Sterling's game in, at, in, in terms of the same level of progression and does he bring it? 
is, is that prolific level of goal scoring. And, and if he's playing in one of those attacking front three or even in a tree behind him, he needs to, he'll need to yeah. bring goals to his game in the same way Suarez brought goals into the team in, in, at the same. Now, I'm not saying at the same level. He doesn't need to score 31 goals next season. If yeah. he scores 15 to 20 goals next season, that's going to be an exceptional return for a 20 year old kid in a team. Yeah, but I, I think he make 15. <coughs> yeah. But I think, to be fair, if you extrapolate Sterling's format for, say, the last seven months of last season to the full season, he probably scores 12, 13, 14 goals, yeah. league goals, right? So even if he stays on par with where he was last season, you're looking at a, at a guy that's going to get in double mm. figures. The, 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 the thing about the, the, the marquee signing, you know, or the big name, I, I think there's two things to it. One is I just think that the argument for it is that I think it's a, it's a statement and we can debate whether that's, whether that's important or not. But I think that, you know, going head to head with a big club and securing a big player for a big fee and showing that we're at that table, I think a lot of the fan base want us to do that. I've always leant more towards where you are, Steve, which is it's about the right player and it's about mm. who's the player that the manager wants. And I don't see the point in going out and, like, the, if you take the link to Farcao as an example, right? Yeah. That makes no sense to me. That, that, I don't see why we'd spend that money on that player when you could take that money and go and buy a player that's better suited to to our what game. We and do. we talked about some of the names in the last mm-hmm. part, right? Then you know, so those that that concept of going to buy a Farcao, it just makes little sense to me. I would like turn going to buy down. Di Maria now. Like my yeah. question is, if Di Maria is available, if Di Maria is available now and he's available for whatever thirty five million, why did we buy Markovic then? Why didn't we just spend the extra ten million quid and yeah. get Di Maria to take the place that Markovic has now? Because I think it, I think it comes down to Rogers and the type of player that he wants. He wants, and he's quoted as saying it right. He wants someone uh, that's going to run through a brick wall for him. Yeah. Di Maria is not going to run through a no, because Di Maria is going to come in feeling I'm a fucking you know I'm an international yeah, player. Like, I've played for Real Madrid. I'm this and exactly. that. And we don't know each player's individual we don't know, no. you know personality traits or whatever it may be. But I'm assuming, given the level of detail that he has as a manager, that he has done that sort of research. Well, are we know, saying that? Are we saying? I mean, we're not saying. See, yeah. I'm, I'm a hypocrite on this because my theory all summer long has been Rogers should be allowed by the players he I wants, agree. not the players that we feel he yeah. should buy. And then every time the words Adam Lalana come into my head, <laughs> and I go. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. have a fucking meltdown because we spent 25 But put a Lalana to one side, right? Are I try we, to. Are we, say, are we saying that Brenda... <laughs> we still the came side in. I tried to put him on is the side that has the bench, not the football. <laughs> well, I like Lalana. But are we saying that the Rogers is... Are we saying, right, that as a club, we're unaware of who, of who De Maria is? Are we saying we're not aware of yeah, who of that course, player is? Of course, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think if it... I think we need... It's not so much about who the player is. Yeah. We need another forward player. Someone... Let's look at that game yeah. on Sunday. Take Sturridge out of that team, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We don't win that game. Well, and, and that, that, was the, that was the issue in the yeah. games that we had in America when, when Sturridge wasn't fit. Yeah. We only had two real threats, which was Coutinho and Sterling. That's why I think and that's, that's, would have been perfect. And, I think and, and that's, been that's not having a go at Lambert either. It's just no. in terms of the way, the, the speed that we play at. No, it, it is. It, seriously, it's, it's not having a go. The speed that we, the way our team played at on Sunday. When you put Lambert into the team, and you saw when he came on, we don't play with the same speed in attack. 
Absolutely. Right. So Lambert is there to do a job against certain teams in certain positions, and that is parking the bus with say twenty five minutes to go. That you know you're you're going to lay siege to their goal. He's going to be we're going to be in their box effectively, and he's there at that point in time to play to play his little true passes, which he's very good at. Yeah. Or provide or something him, yeah. provide something yeah. else in the box, or yeah. provide screen passes <clears throat> back for the, for players like mm. Coutinho and Sterling coming on to get shots away mm. 20, 25 yards. Similar to the way Chelsea score goals, you know they score an awful lot of goals from outside the box. It's not necessarily all crosses into the box. They build it around and score from there. So that's what Lambert, in my mind, was always brought in for. It was, he, that's why he was there when Suarez was coming in. Lambert was coming in to, to, to be that option off the bench. It's not a it's not a, a route one plan B lump it into the big man up front. So do you disagree with uh, Steve-O's uh, recently formed point of view that he's very passionate? Four about? and a half minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> like fuck, fuck me, you mean it? Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but do you disagree? With him? Are you of the same mind that a lot of us are that we definitely need somebody? I'm not saying we don't need somebody. I'm saying ah, that geez, we, you're changing. No, it again. no, no. What I said was, uh, I don't. We need. I don't think we necessarily need to sign a big name in the wrong position. It have to be yeah. just for the sake. I, no, I think we need a striker. This is what mm. I'm saying. So the point that was made was that you know, even if it's an attacking midfielder. I'm not certain that that's our priority number one at the moment. Getting Moreno or whoever it is for left back is an absolute priority, and signing a backup striker in a similar ilk to to uh, Sturridge is very important. It's why I was disappointed when the Remy transfer didn't come up because I thought Remy had 10, 12 goals a season in him as a backup striker for well, us. Given that we don't, there doesn't seem to be that many of those around, those of, of those players that you're talking about. Yeah. All I meant was another player who kind of intimidates the opposition. You know, but where do, where do they like? Okay, you you go out and you buy that big name player for thirty million quid, right? Mm. Then all of a sudden you're under pressure to play him because you've just spunked thirty million quid. If you don't, then you have Lalana and him sitting on the bench. Well, I, I you know what I mean. That's fifty five million quid's worth of of uh, go, talent. Paul, like um, the uh, the area that Suarez uh, being sold can really hurt us is depth because. Well, like we always had either him or Sturridge available. Like obviously for a while it was both of them, but we always had one of them available mm. uh, last season. Whereas now if Sturridge gets injured, we don't have a top class striker. So I'd agree that there's no point in going out and spending forty million on another attacking midfielder when you have such a glaring weakness up front. Up front, in, in like depth wise. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I agree. Like it's it's not about kind of a marquee signing or like how much you're spending on, but it has to be the right player. Mm. And uh, like yeah. I, like someone like it like I know. Like there's a, a big there, there was like Remy was kind of sniffed at, but he would be like a more important. He would have been a more important signing than signing another player where we're already covered. Because we made the point earlier that with players like Coutinho and Sterling, you can restructure the team like with the players we have the first eleven to kind of mitigate Suarez's loss. But once one of those players gets injured, especially storage, that's when you're in trouble. So you need to have the right player. But who is that yeah. player, Paul? Because if you think about it, we seem to have fucked the bony deal into a cocked hat, right? So Thank if that's you. that... What, what, what's, who's left? I mean, there's this Maro Icardi kid that we've been linked to. I mean... <laughs> he sounds like another Suarez wife. <laughs> Robin Maxi Lopez's wife or something, isn't it? Uh, the tattoos is the killer, a little bit of detail of that story. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, seriously. I've not like... I've basically next to no knowledge of outside the English league. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the I don't have the blagging game that, that people on Twitter have to pull it off. So I'm not even going to try. So I, I think there is a second option. Just to play devil's advocate slightly, mm. let's say that player is not there. The player that can come in because here's the difficulty, right? You have to buy a player. Let's say Sturridge is fit for sixty percent of the season, right? Mm-hmm. In our preferred setup, this player is not going to play in sixty percent of the games. Yeah. So who's that player, right? That comes in. So Remy would have done it. Mm. I think if you spend twenty million on Boney, I don't think he wants to come in and 
play 40% of games, start 40% of games. So a wild card theory is that you, and I was actually chatting to a friend at a pod, Anthony, earlier, you know, uh, going Juan Loco, when, you know, and I was saying, well, I think he was making the point, you could buy another attacking midfielder <clears throat> and play and develop Sterling into a false nine because I think what's been interesting in the last two games is that Sterling's played up front. Mm. Mm. He's played next to Lambert and he played next to uh, he played next to Sturridge yesterday. So rather, I think it's difficult to find that player and I think one of the one of the reasons we could maybe come up with three or four names that might fit in, might be able to do it, but the reality is it's difficult to find that player. So maybe you buy another very good attacking player, like a winger or an attacking midfielder, and you say, well, our plan B is you, you, we play kind of strikerless. You play with Sterling as a false nine and, mm. and have two attacking players around him. And maybe that gets us to January and maybe we take a look again or whatever. If, if it came down to doing that or buying Falcao, I honestly think I would rather go and buy Shakiri or Conor Playanka or someone that can play behind the forwards and play without an, without the number nine. Because I think if any system could do it, ours could do it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say earlier. Right, let, let's let's uh, narrow down the focus a bit before we broaden it back out to look at the season as a whole coming up. And let's just get an idea of how we think the match is going to go. So I'll start, uh, Paul, with yourself. How do you think this match is going to end? 2-0 um, to us. 2-0 Liverpool, says Paul. Steve-O. 3-0. 3-0 Liverpool? Yes. Okay. 3-1. Excellent. It's a fresh start. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. Dave? Yeah, I mean, I go with Steve. I think we'll score early and I think we'll win well. 3-0. Yeah, I don't know what to say because every time last year I used to say, yes, Suarez will score, so we'll win. Now I don't know what to say so I'm just Sturridge. used to this year. I always say Sturridge. That's my new line. Right, Phil? 4-0 to Southampton. Thank God everything's back in situ, <laughs> fellas. It's great to be back. <laughs> I am Lou Schwari. You are listening to Trippers Chat. <laughs> With Trev. <laughs> right, first question in this section then is from Kieran. And Kieran is wondering, uh, I know a couple of lads have an opinion about this, should Liverpool, like a couple of other clubs we've seen, acquire an MLS franchise? Any thoughts on this, chaps? Yeah. 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 That's good, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's fucking yeah. brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We should, was that, did you want more? Yeah, I'd like a little bit more. <laughs> well, I, it's I, called Trippers Chat. I think what's, uh, what's interesting is a couple of interesting developments. I think the first interesting bit is that all of the of last season's top five all went to uh, the US this year on tours. So uh, actually. Uh, so United were there, Liverpool were there, City were there, Chelsea were there, Spurs were there. You know, so they they all kind of went to the to the states. And with City buying the New York franchise, I think that what they're trying to do is they're not going there for the health of you know North American soccer. They're going there to to kind of uh, invade really and expand the Premier League brand into into the MLS. And the MLS is more and more becoming, you know, a commercial enterprise for people external to the clubs because, like, the clubs themselves have things like salary caps and, you know, uh, you know, most of, I think, 90% of the players. I think I saw a stat that Clint Dempsey's deal uh, with, like, the Seattle Sounders, he earns more than every other player on that roster put together. Mm-hmm. So more and more money is going into it. You know what, seriously, it. just, uh, and it's a good point you're making, right, but the use of the word roster is starting to really piss me off. That's what it is for them. 
I know, know but it's to use their terminology. Go to you, squad. Sorry. It's a roster fill. Tripper it's chat, a... not fill chat. Shut the fuck up. Fuck The use of the word roster. What would you like me to say? The squad. Yeah, so your your point is so more and more money's going into the into the league, and I think that it's it's a huge market. You know, obviously three hundred fifty million people in the states. You know, the television deal that's going to come out for the broadcasting rights, the next one that comes out of there has the potential to dwarf the domestic rights that we already have within the Premier League. So why wouldn't we set up something in there that's an expansion of? Maybe not necessarily the Liverpool brand, but you know we're already our owners are already in Boston. Boston already has you know a, the Red Sox brand. I think it's opportune there to go into something like that. Nobody else feels a bit queasy about all this. The, the cynicism. Of it. I'll be honest with you. I think the reason it's being done by City is because they've got hugely deep pockets and want a way of because they can of getting around FFP. Like yeah. for for me, we don't have that problem in the sense that we don't have an oligarchs or an Arabs money backing us we have a financial model that the idea is for the club to be self-sufficient so buying another club over in the states yeah it probably does make sense for them because it's where their knowledge of sports is you know mm. their their baseball their whatever else they've had in the past I think American football team as well uh, at some point um, you know th- they would understand the franchise model so to speak but I don't see how it benefits Liverpool. We're mm. not suddenly going to start signing, you know, Hamas Rodriguez and banging them onto the fucking American books and then loaning them back to us like City have so sneakily done with Lampard. Not that he's that big a deal to me. I, you know, I no, think but it just stinks the whole of thing. Of course it stinks. You know? But you know what? Every time in life people put rules there, the idea of the rest of the people is to find a way around those rules. And that's going to be the case for anything that's ever done. It's, you know, why, why did Lance Armstrong start blood doping instead of taking EPO? It's because he had to find a way around because EPO was too easily determined now. You know, whatever else it might be, you know, whether it's financial, whether it's sporting, whatever, you put rules in place, it's other people's jobs to find a way around them. And that's going to happen in football now with FFP. We've got to suck it up and we've just got to do it on the pitch. Fair game, Phil, would you say? Yeah, look, it's a great idea to get around FFP. I'm sure they'll close that loophole soon enough for mm. the attempt to close the loophole to, to prevent, say, PSG going out and just getting around their their their, their, their transfer sort of cap and stuff like that, because that's effectively what, what City mm. are doing. Um, <clears throat> like, as, 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 as Dave said, there's the presence already in New England. There's a New England revolution. You'd think if there was ever going to be a synergy or, 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 or a, say, a buy into the club, that would be where it is, um, because it's the home base of FSG, effectively, with, with, with the Red Sox and, and everything else they... And, <clears throat> NESN Sports Network and everything like that you know there'll be a natural sort of synergy even Warrior being part of New Balance and that's a New England company as well so you know it would all point to something that was down there the concern would be how much of the focus then would shift to the New England franchise as such as opposed to the Liverpool Football Mm. Club and then as Steve's point is the best we don't have the, the wherewithal at the moment to sign multiple names and send them to another club when, when at this moment in time we're talking about not making marquee signings because we, you know, we don't have we we could better spend the money on signing two players that will fit fit our system better. And um, while it's a nice idea, and if we had money, lots of money to burn, I think the main focus should be getting the the stadium redeveloped, mm. and that's where all our money should be going outside of you know the player acquisition and and, and building our squad squad. Yeah. Squad, squad. <laughs> yeah, squad, squad. <laughs> like uh, you see the way he was allowed to use synergy and you can't use roster. Look, no, that's, no, no. that's the difference between no, us, no, no. you know what I mean? The difference is 
when you slag him, he doesn't stop talking. Whereas when <laughs> Dave, when Phil says something to Dave, Dave goes, well, what would you like me to say? I'm going, stick it up your bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Next question from Barry Carr. Barry's wondering about the situation some of us have found ourselves in the past. Uh, when an away ticket is not possible, how do you behave if you're sat with the home fans? Anyone, any stories on this? I was at um, St. James's Park a few seasons ago and we had to sit in the home fans. It was the one where Rainer got sent off. Oh, yeah. Like, they, like the Newcastle fans had a fucking ball. Down in, I think, down in <laughs> Henderson, they all played. They were shit. Carroll was a disgrace. Enrique went to go. Yeah. What's going on? Carroll dived yeah. all he had to do was tap the ball in yeah. and he tried to dive instead he got reefed off and like a, a, like a, they cheered more for that than they did for the goals jeez they were horrible times oh god yeah And uh, but the, the fella kind of there was a, me and a few of my mates but the fella to, to my right was a Newcastle fan but he, he was fairly sound but he copped on that we, we were Liverpool fans <laughs> and when Sissé scored the opener he, he kind of grabbed me in the head like what are you fucking thinking of that? <laughs> <laughs> he was really but then like as the game went on he kind of he was telling us you know that all the best places to go out at night and all which, which was sound enough but a couple of seats back there was some like there was absolute lunatics apparently uh, what you call it one, they were saying um, they were calling down in a smuggy bastard and one of, one of my mates goes <laughs> Why is, what, why is he a smuggy bastard? Your man looks at him as if he's like five heads. He's from fucking Smugsville. <laughs> okay. And I mean, like these fellas. It didn't just... say that on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> who's, your, who's your mate that paused to ask a question? Like, Sorry, can well, I just ask you this? Are you crazy? Why would you be referring to him as a smuggy? The rest is going Leave the fucking lunatics alone. Yeah. Don't poke the bear. <laughs> he just hit a horse last week. <laughs> like so, we kind of like we got out of there without any trouble. But I think that was more to do, like with Newcastle beating us. If we'd have won, I'm yeah. not sure that would have yeah, gone yeah, as nice. Yeah. You got to pick. Were... You got to pick your battles. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you don't want to. You want to pitch up a Millwall and start celebrating fucking goals yeah. going in. But even, even, even... LIV. Yeah. <laughs> this one's from an old uh, friend of the pod from the early days, El Scouse, and he asks a question. He says, why haven't managers also adopted garishly multicoloured footwear like the players? Now, has anyone got any strong ideas or opinions about garishly coloured footwear? They're shit. I- I'm going to come in no, and agree with you there. Boots. No, I don't. Don't be a cunt. I love my coloured boots. boots and I love booties as well. To be honest, I could you see... wear boots with a suit. You can see Brendan being the first manager to kind of, you know, break if, this taboo. If anyone's going to do yeah. it, Brendan's going to do it. He's got that sort of, like, no, midlife Pasco, crisis going on there. Pasco, Pasco. Pasco yeah. I, I reckon Pasco has a pair of those outrageous warrior screamers or something like that for this season to go with his shorts. What's the story with the yeah. two different coloured boots? Balotelli, like, it's like, yeah. fucking brutal. It's yeah. pretty Like, young lads on my football team have them now. They're rocking up with one pink and one green. How are you feeling about that as a man who's supposed to be mentoring them? I shout, why don't you have black boots, you cunts? <laughs> yeah, how's that going over? Um, they look at me as though I'm very old and don't understand. Yeah. And they're probably right. I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> you get used to it as the years yeah. roll on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> after, after Trevor, Trevor's still hammering nails into the bottom of shoes. Saying that, I used to actually, I went through the phase myself of coloured boots when it was just coming out. Like, I had a pair of red umbro boots mm. um, to go with a red jersey that or a red kit that we had. Oh, you bought the for. full kit wanker boots? No, 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 no. The football team I was playing for wore right. red. Right. And I wore red boots. To with go them. with it? Well, just because I, yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah. Okay. But then I saw the error in my ways at about 18 and have never had anything but black See, boots. Nah. Yellow, yellow for me as a boot colour 
you, you struggle, and I have a pair of yellow boots, but you struggle to match them up with any other. Cunt. Any other. But no, you, you do, you struggle to match them up with, like, they just don't seem to go with anything. Like, you can't wear yellow boots with white socks. That's just the whole point wrong. of those garish things. See, this is where it's gone wrong, right? Football kits are not a fashion statement. <laughs> Right, this is where it's, it's all gone. Wrong. They, they are when exactly. they are when they're tuxedo. And you go in. Oh, I don't know which you know which shirt will these boots go with. That's everything that's wrong with mine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yellow boots oh. don't go with my new dress. <laughs> Fuck the other keepers wearing the same boots as me. Bastards! <laughs> actually, actually, Throw you me ones. you have a hangover dress that you wear, don't you? Well, I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of. Uh, what? Yeah, what? No, a no, no. Moo-moo. I said a moo-moo, Yeah, I said I'd love a hangover dress. Okay, I, right, I, have, right, right. I still haven't got one yet. Oh, you haven't? Okay, no. right, okay. because the, the idea of the nice Cause booties would look just well like a with that. Floaty nightgown, is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Flannel, flannel, flannel little cotton number. Just, just flannel, like just, just nice and loose, so that you can go around. You don't have to wear pants or anything. And just nice I don't want to look like a freak. So the moo-moo. So colour boots. Actual people who own colour boots around the table. You're admitting to a fill. You've had one pair. Oh, when I was Steve 16 up. or so, 17. Like it's, it's Copa Mundials all the way. All the way. Paul. Normally white boots, I wear. You go for the white boots. Yeah. That's kind of a... Here's another thing. Halfway keepers house, wearing it? anything other than black boots is worse than outfield players. <laughs> well, <'Cause, laughs> you know what I mean? You have two keeper wankers in here at the moment and they both have coloured boots. Like, yeah. you know, it's bad enough that we're letting you play. You know, <laughs> but at least wear fucking black boots. <laughs> yeah. if, 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 no, if your gloves uh, are white, you're straight. Like, I always find that if you match your white, the, the white with the white with yeah. the boots. My God. You match your gloves. What the fuck oh, are you? Michael my gloves Jackson. are an off-white and, and my boots are a brilliant white. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Eccles for no reason. Well. <laughs> yeah. much. No, I'm a black boot man. But I, I, just to go back to Brendan, I think he is... Uh, he could definitely rock up in a pair of rhinestone fucking cowboy boots or something on the sideline. Just on the coloured boots thing, we have to, you know, we have this image of like, you know, AVB and Rogers and Martinez, these really smart guys. But let's remember the vast majority of managers in the Premier League look like Sam Allardyce. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So they're not going to rock up in a pair of like pink boots, you know? I think you would find this that. Is a fair point. You know, you've got Allardyce, Pulis, Imagine Steve Bruce in pink boots. Mm. It's just not going to happen. It's amazing the way to match his face. The same puce colour as his head. (laughs) Although I could see Allardyce in a pair of white crocodile cowboy boots. Oh, yeah. It's amazing the way like Tony Pulis wears that cap and he would probably pass judgment on a manager wearing coloured boots. He probably would. He wears that cunt and cap. He'd probably... (laughs) On his fucking rotten turn up head. (laughs) (laughs) They're proud. No, no, no. no. Let's go Pulis. Let's go Pulis. Let's go Pulis and Rio together. Pulis is the one that would be most likely to wear football boots. Him and Pasco. He must wear football boots, though, Pulis. Because he's in the... Like, he is... He probably would have been another one to wear boots. Corbusley, yeah. He likes shorts as well. He likes shorts. He likes shorts. And Pulis likes to to have a shower with the lads afterwards and get 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 stuck in. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon Pul- Pulis has the kit on. What? Dragon Pulis. Oh, you know he has. You know he's got he the has. kit on. He's got the kit on. Right? He doesn't yeah. let any of his keepers wear number one because he has it. He's got <laughs> number one. <laughs> he doesn't have his initials on it. Big tone. Big tone. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, next week on Tripper Chat. Fucking hell. <laughs> okay, we finished with some admin then. As always, we want to mention Astro Park. Uh, five and seven aside football, this is the place to be. So get on here to the website at astropark.ie and book your game. Our own website, lfcdaytrippers.com, is somewhere that you should be checking on to too. You'll be mightily impressed by the content and the work that's being done by the lads on there. 
Um, we have a particular special announcement we want to make tonight for a night with Ian Rush, which has been put on by GH Promotions in the Green Isle Hotel on Saturday. The first of a number of nights being put on by that group. It's um, a meet and greet with Ian Rush. Tickets are €26 Euros for that, and then for general entry, €12. Euros, and you can book that ticket on 01459 And your day trippers tonight were Neil Poole, Rob Palmer, Dave Thomas, Paul Brennan, Stephen Daly, Phil Casey and myself, Trev Downey. But I'm wrong. Where they were going, oh, sure, we're not passing to him. I know. <laughs> and I'll give it him he the didn't ball. Get a touch. He didn't touch the ball. Cunt. He didn't get a touch. But he did an interview, Phil, to be did, fair, right, where... He, he touched his crest. No, no, no. He pointed to his crest. He admitted he's not fit. He, said, he admitted he's not How fit. How can he not be fit? He came back early. He is 32 now. I'm I mean, he's 20 41. years younger than you, like, you know what I mean? You're 141. Like, 141. I'm a lot fitter than fucking Ricky Lambert, I'll tell you that much. What I are we talking about? I, 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 t- I tell you what, right? I would love to put that there to the club. I want Trev to race Ricky Lambert on 20 yards sprint. Pensioner wins race with Lambert. <laughs> ah, no, I think that would boost Ricky <laughs> <laughs> like, you know? Job done. Yeah, Job go. done. Look, you scored it. You scored in Anfield, Ricky. It could be a half time. Mighty, Mighty Red, Trev, and Ricky Lambert. <laughs> Right. From 25 yards out. Apparently he scored in the... <laughs> and Lambert's, imagine? Lambert's third in that. <laughs> and you're behind Mighty Red. <laughs> yeah, well... Oh, what was, what was your, what did Reddy call Mighty Red today? Big Red. Big Red. <laughs> you have to run as Mighty Red. <laughs> Big Red. Big Red. That's the fucking shout of the week. He says, I says, what's the fucking story with your Mighty Red? Oh, uh, but apparently Lambert scored the two goals today. We won 2-1 and Lambert scored them both. Get huh? the fuck. That's what I read, yeah. Oh, that's actually massive. Yeah. <coughs> who, who Nobody did, was there. Who, who, <laughs> oh, no, it's like is, saying I yeah, scored yeah, the ball. He probably, did, he probably did a knee slide and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.